This is the time, this is the place, and this is FC3 Monkey Business, your one-stop shop for everything geeky. And since everything is geeky, if you love it enough, you never know what you're going to get. Today, you're going to get something new and interesting. At least I'm hoping so. This is your host, IMC. This week, we're going to be talking about International Tabletop Day with the help of Professor Scott Nicholson, Professor of Game and Development at Wilfrid Lauer University in Brantford, Ontario. After that, stick around for upcoming events, Everyday Hero shout-outs, and our question of the week. How you doing, gang? Hi. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm telling you. this Don't one we of those always days. have fun? Yep. I think we always do. We are, There's always some sort of giggling going on. I didn't know where you were going with the intro. Well, that's because you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, where the what the heck is he doing? Don't He's freeforming. No, I was sort of on this. I was, I was near the script. You were near the script, but I'm he like, was, my, my whole routine adjacent. was off. <laughs> my whole routine was off. I'm like, what? Oh, what? please, you're not that OCD. Well, yeah, actually, you are. Never mind. I was rearranging the headphones in the studio earlier. Come on. Yeah, making were, sure that everyone were. had their own spots. That was a thing. That was a thing. Billy, how you doing over there? I'm good. Hi, Chris. Hi, Billy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you hi. sound kind of blah. No, I'm good. Are you sure? I, I, I was up late last night. Uh, <laughs> it's baseball season. Well, not not that. I, I baseball. No, actually, baseball wasn't over uh, at this time. But I was just flipping through the channels, and I, I must have dreamt this. I think I dreamt I got sucked into an episode of Cupcake Wars. <laughs> Are you sure that was a dream? I don't know. No, I'm it not happens. sure. That happens. <laughs> I, I have no interest in making cupcakes, but. I wanted to see the human disasters trying to make a pulled pork barbecue cupcake. <laughs> oh, pulled pork barbecue. Oh, my Was stars that a secret artists. ingredient? Yeah, that, that, and the, well, they were trying to make something with a southern flair for, uh, uh, Jeanette McCurdy, who you may know from the TV show iCarly, oh, we are. Yeah. was Sam. releasing her her country western album. So they wanted to make something for her album premiere party or album release party. Uh-huh. And so they were trying to make, and they gave them wacky ingredients. Someone was making a shrimp gumbo cupcake. Oh, cupcake. oh my no. God. Someone made a fried chip chicken cupcake. I, I like shrimp gumbo, but I yeah. don't think I can see it as a cupcake. And none of these uh, cupcakes came out well. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Can't imagine one why. Of, one of the people set their kitchen on fire. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Which made me stick through the next commercial that's, see, that's break. It. Absolutely. That's enough. You want, you want to see that. Um, you know, that aired in like 2011. Yeah, they said there was a <laughs> reference to it being like, 2010 or 2011. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was season three, episode yeah. 13. So, so. Jenna McCurdy's album's been out for about, what, six, seven years now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, right now, she's uh, probably going into the world of hip hop to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Rework her yeah. career. She's so cute. She is. Yes. She's a doll. I used to like Carly better, though. Well, you know that was you're supposed to because she was the Miranda Cosgrove. 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 Yeah, because she was she's supposed to be you know the the star of the show. Mm-hmm. So you're not supposed to like the the B list characters more than than. But the Sam, Sam was a side do, character, though. huh? Yes, I but usually then, do. Yeah. But then the there was a, um, a, a show called Sam a Cat. Right. It had Ariana Grande. To this day, and I still thought Ariana Grande was a font. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Isn't that I, I thought she was a, I thought she was a coffee size. Yeah. <laughs> <Ariana> <laughs> I mean, so you go to Starbucks and you order an Ariana Grande. Exactly. <laughs> hey, wow. uh, hey, Sh- Sherry, y- yes. you sound good today. You sound a little bit more um, not on the phone. She sounds closer. I can't imagine. She sounds. Do you, do you want me to call in? I can't. No, I don't no. think I want you to call in today. <laughs> there might be a slight echo. There it is. We'll put you in another room. And Sherry and Chris are in the studio Yay! today. Yay! 
on this beautiful summer or summer summer spring week. This is summer for Rochester when it gets to 45, no, 50 this degrees. This is construction season. season. Yes. Yeah. Winter or construction so, winter season? Winter or construction. It's, no, it's almost winter. 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 Still, Still winter, winter and construction. <laughs> and construction. <laughs> so there are four seasons. Yes. Well, it's good to see the both of you. I haven't, I haven't actually laid eyes on you in a while. Do, do good you guys to be still seen? have like only six feet of snow in the yard? It's actually, <laughs> Chris has a system. I shovel all the snow back into the driveway. And let it start melting. <laughs> so it melts. Mm. And I actually talked to two different people yesterday that uh-huh. do exactly the same that, thing. That's a good thins strategy. Out the, yeah, it thins mm-hmm. out the, the piles. Absolutely. Now they need to do that in like the mall parking lots now start taking mm-hmm. down some of the piles yeah. and mm-hmm. knocking them down and yeah. get rid of it because... Yeah, Chris because we want the parking his... spaces back. <laughs> And Chris, Chris does it because he wants his flowers. <laughs> well, that's not a bad thing to think oh. about. Seriously. My daffodils are starting to break through the ground already. Are they really? Yeah. None that's of amazing. mine have because they're still under snow. Yeah. Yeah. I got daffodils and hyacinths and tulips and lilies and gladiolus and all kinds of other. So you nonsense. gotta go find them. Yes. Yeah. You people with ambition. I know. Oh. Seriously, it's weird. My so, mother-in-law paint, planted those, so mm. I. They're so, just popping up. So Billy and I and our, our respective Facebooks, mainly because I nominate them, are start, we're starting our top 10 favorite album covers. I did that too. I I'm saw, not playing. I saw Sherry. <laughs> Mel- Ta- Tanya, you're getting nominated anyway. That's Mel- okay. I'm still not Billy, playing. This Billy, remind me, what, what's your first one? Bare first one, Bare Naked Ladies Gordon. Okay. Nice. Album. That's going to be on my list. Mm-hmm. That will be on my and list. And the way I took it is... Uh, they're not necessarily going to be my f- very favorite albums, although that one is. Many of them are going to be in my favorite, would be in my favorite album list. But there's some that were just, they've had an impact yeah. in my life. That's what so I was thinking would, doing, too. So that there will be a mixture of favorite albums plus ones that, for some reason, even if they're not in my top ten favorites, they mm-hmm. will, they, for some reason, mean something to me. I'm thinking of, um, I can't remember the album name right now. i got to look it up. I'm, I'm Somewhere along the line, I'm going to be putting up the album from Yellow, that had Oh Yeah and Cadola uh, Dola on Oh, okay. It. Because just, I remember hearing that my freshman mm-hmm. year of college was mm-hmm. the first time I experienced that album in its entirety. And just the the, the way that they created and crafted each of the songs, it just, it's, it's cool. It was very cool. Yeah. So I like that band. And oh, you got something? I was going, let me, I don't think this is it. Let me, I was going to try, but. Cadola Dola. That's it? it. There you That's go. It. Oh, yeah. See, I think of Ferris Bueller. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when I when I am an older man, I want to be as classy as the guy with the, I, I can't remember which one is, I think it's Hans or Boris, I can't remember which one, but uh, the, the fellow with the long gray hair and the mustache, and the, he's always wearing suits and all the videos. I'm like, I want to be classy like that guy when I'm an older <laughs> dude. Cause that's, that's, I want to live my life like him. Seriously, because that man's rocking out and creating all this great techno stuff and, and, and great music, and he's doing it, you know, with, with style, you know? So that's a good thing. All right. So moving on. We got work to do today, apparently. We do. Um, quick, quick. We're going to do our sponsor shout outs. As always, much love for Knox and Selena's uh, for First Print Comics, The Great Escape Room, and Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey. Uh, and for Patreon, what is Patreon? Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support Monkey Business and the Flower City Comic Con. So please check us out on Patreon. So it's www.patreon.com backslash FC3ROC. All membership levels will include access to the Patreon-only blog, plus tons of other great perks as well. I've been doing my director's blog lately. I was going to say, did you do your blog? I did not do one this week because I no. was like kind of caught up with a bunch of other things, but I will make sure to make up for that on Tuesday. So I'll, that I just want to usually two? record one. No, I don't know if I'll do two, but I'll probably just do like an extra, extra special one. Maybe like a, a fifteen-minute one instead of ten. I don't know. He'll do a musical. I'll do a musical yeah. number. Yeah. Are you <laughs> going to sing "I'm a Barbie Girl"? No. 
please? No, I will not. No, I don't care how cute you guys are. I'm not going to. Do he's going to. Sw- I'll subscribe uh, he's to he's Patreon. Gonna, he's going to sing "I'm a Barbie Shrimp" by uh, Aquaman. There it is. <laughs> I'm a Barbie Shrimp with a cupcake world. I'm, it's okay. Gumbo. Um, and Apple Podcasts want el- others want to help others find the show. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review will be thanked on air, and any questions you log with us will be answered. We want this to be a conversation, so please send your questions. Please. Please, please, please. So, we're going to take a quick break, and when we do, we're going to be back with Professor, excuse me, Scott Nicholson from Wilfrid Lauer University in Brantford, Ontario, and we're going to be discussing uh, International Tabletop Day, which is coming up. And since we're talking about games, I'll leave you with some comedy by Dan Natterman. We didn't have television growing up. My father thought TV was bad for you. So we played board games instead, like Trivial Pursuit. You remember that, right? Our whole family would gather around and play Trivial Pursuit. Till we discovered that nobody in my family could answer any of those questions. And then we had to change the rules to something we could handle. And it just became who could throw the pieces the farthest. For the bonus round, eat the pieces. Warm up those dice, gather up the meeples, and grab a red marker and circle April 28th on your calendar. International Tabletop Day is a worldwide celebration of tabletop gaming for all. In its seventh year, the day-long event is filled with gaming events, charity fundraising, and collaborative online entertainment. Joining us today is Professor Scott Nicholson. Scott Nicholson is a professor of game design and development at Wilfrid Lauer University in Brantford, Ontario, and the director of the Brantford Game Network Game Lab. Uh, He has written research papers on escape rooms, meaningful gamification, (coughs) games in libraries, online education, and data mining. He is the author of Everyone Plays at the Library, Creating Great Gaming Experiences for All Ages, and the designer of two board games, Going, Going, Gone, and Tulip Mania 1637. He is available to consult and speak about escape rooms, gamification, educational, and serious game design, and board games. Welcome to the show, Professor. It's great to have you on board with us today. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you very much. Those were a lot of fine words that you said about me. I, You know, I, I can't take full credit for him because Sherry writes most of my intro work for me. <laughs> so I'm just really good at reading. That's, I think it's basically my strong suit at the moment. And and Sherry, you, you have... Um, You've met the professor in the past. I actually took class with him. Did you really know? Yes. And where was that? That was at uh, Syracuse University. Okay. When he was in, uh, when he was the head of the, <clears throat> the Masters of Library Sciences. Now, how long ago was that? Oh God. <laughs> You're making her count that back. <laughs> a decade ago or so. Yeah, yeah. about ten years about ago. Ten years it's just ago. kind of like a, a class reunion kind yes. of a thing going on. That's yes. great. Okay, cool. Um, so, Professor, my first question is, is gamification. Can, can you give me a little bit more of a heads up on what that word really kind of entails? So gamification is where you're taking elements from games and adding them to something in the real world. Okay. The goal is to motivate someone to do something in the real world because they're engaging with your game elements. So the common thing you see are like points and badges and leaderboards and things like that. I actually do a class about meaningful gamification where I talk about the fact that all of those things are fairly meaningless. And when those rewards are gone, you're actually not motivated to do that thing. And it can actually cause long-term harm. So I talk about using things like play and storytelling and creation to get people actually engaged in something. Okay. You know, I want to jump onto that because mm-hmm. I'm a teacher and we use a program called Schoology. And in regards to Schoology, 
we have different badges that we can earn by taking the online courses and posting to certain things. So okay. they've actually, I've actually taken um, a course on gamification, like as a professional development type thing. So it's actually like really, really cool. And Tanya, is that just for you, the professors, the teachers, or is that do the uh, students embark on um, that as well? There's the way that we, as a teacher, could actually. Um, create stuff in the classroom and kind of like have them start earning different levels and badges and things like that, that we could create something that we could use in actually in the classroom. Interesting. Okay. A lot of people confuse gamification with game-based learning. Uh, so gamification is kind of like the syllabus in the class. It's like the, if you think about what's on a syllabus, it's this grade system that doesn't really have anything to do with teaching you the content. It's just there to motivate you to do stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Game-based learning is where you actually integrate the content into the gameplay, so they can't be separated. And through the playing of the game, you're actually learning the content. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of folks are calling everything related to games gamification. But it's important to talk about those two differently mm -hmm. because they actually trigger different sorts of motivation. Uh, gamification is an extrinsic motivator. You're doing things for the rewards, while game-based learning can help build that intrinsic motivation, and that's where lifelong change can come. Okay. All right, so and I see how that they can kind of nice. mesh together and be laced together. Mm -hmm. how, how does one get into this? I mean, you've, this has been kind of your, your focus for quite some time. How do you, how do you kind of enter into this realm of, of education? Well, I guess it starts by being a gamer. So mm -hmm. I have been a lifelong gamer. As a kid, I grew up with the Atari 2600 <laughs> in my hand. Uh, anyone? Any other twenty six hundred players? Oh, oh yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually still have mine. Okay. We're all, we're all of an age, Scott. <laughs> all right, all I just good. didn't have one. Um, so I grew up with that. I grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons out of a blue box and a red box. Nice. Um, and then grew up uh, consuming any board game that I could find uh, as I was uh, growing up. And so I got to college and got involved with live action role playing, okay. where we would uh, actually put on costumes and act out roles. And mm -hmm. I actually started at that point writing for live action role playing and got involved in more of the behind the scenes part mm -hmm. and really started to engage with game design at that point. My first design was a live action role playing system for the world of Call of Cthulhu. So I was okay. one of the authors on the game Call of Cthulhu Live. So that led into uh, my undergrad was actually math, computers, and science, and then I was a programmer for a while. I got tired of my hobby of programming and computing being my job, so I switched over and got my master's in library science and became a librarian. Okay. Did that for a while and then moved on to get my Ph.D. in information science. And after that point, I joined the faculty at Syracuse University and started teaching in the library school. And about 2007, I was at an American Library Association conference, and they were doing Dance Dance Revolution. I said, well, that's interesting. What's going on here? And so I chatted with them at that point about what they were doing, and they were talking about using video games to get teenagers to come into the library. And I knew from having been a lifelong gamer that games were good for a lot more age groups than just teenagers, and there right. were many more types of games than just video games. And I decided at that point I was going to stake my flag in that space of games and libraries and try to tell the world that you know games are more than Guitar Hero and Mario Kart. And there's this world of tabletop games and role-playing games and live-action stuff that might actually be a better pick uh, in libraries. Mm -hmm. so I did that for about five years and wrote my book at that point. Uh, then I was invited to go to MIT for a year as a visiting professor. Uh, that came out of, I'd been doing in my basement, the uh, first video series about board games on YouTube called Board Games with Scott. 
So I actually, from 2005 to 2010, I started doing board games with Scott, and MIT said, hey, would you like to come up and, and help us explore board games a bit more with our students? So I did that for a year, and that's where I began to push beyond libraries and looking at museums and schools and other ways that they were using games to make a difference in the world. And I knew at that point that's where I wanted to head. So I began to cast my net to say, I'd like to uh, go somewhere where I can lead a program to help people make games to change the world. Hmm. Wilfrid Laurier University in Canada, the branch campus where I am in Brantford, has a, a campus that's mainly focused on social justice. Okay. So there's programs here like nursing and education and things like that. And I said, you know, we could make a game program with a social justice heartbeat where all of the students are making games with real-world outcomes. So these, we don't make recreational games. We're making games for museums, schools, libraries, for uh, corporate training, with social justice. The students work on both board games in their first year and video games in their second and third year. In the fourth year, they partner with an organization and make a game. But we're always making games to change the world, games with some real-world consequences. Okay. Is there, I see a bit like a, a, like a life simulator almost? That's really yeah, That could be. That's, in fact, that's actually it's more simulation is the term, the better term to use, where you're uh-huh. going to take. Because two of the rules I have in my board game design class, well, rule one, no games where you roll a die and move a piece on a board. Mm-hmm. Because that's the easy way to make a bad board game. Okay. And no games where you ask people trivia questions off of cards, because that's an easy way to make a bad educational game. Gotcha. So instead, you have to think about, well, how do I simulate a piece of the world? How do I get players making choices that are meaningful, and they're learning through making those choices? Mm-hmm. Now, everything the students learn in our program, that's actually going to be useful to them if they want to make recreational games, because you're still trying to motivate customers to engage with your game, to play your game. You're thinking about the customers, the players first. It's user-driven design. Mm-hmm. The students actually take a lot of classes in user experience design, as well as in project management, public speaking, things like that. But for me, it all started as a kid being engaged with games through college, beginning to make games, bringing into a career, looking to how to use games to make a difference, and then continuing to follow that passion. So mm-hmm. if you remember, I left my early computer programming job about my hobby and my job. I didn't mm-hmm. want to mix those up. Right. Yeah, I didn't learn that lesson too well. <laughs> <laughs> so now I run this game lab where about half of my board game collection is there in the lab. What I do is I actually try to focus on tabletop games and live-action games in my research and my teaching and my design okay. so that I can save video games for my own recreation. And that way I still have something that can be played for me. Gotcha. Just uh, last week we were having a, a talk with Jeremy Crawford, who's the editor-in-chief of the 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons, and, mm-hmm. and he was making a point of saying how he, he likes to try and compartmentalize. He has a game at home that he plays, a and d game, that, and then he uses none of the information of stuff they're developing and all of the theory and all of the stuff that kind of in the works is off to the side. Everything has got to be solid book stuff. And so he kind of tries to keep it uh, keep separate. everything <laughs> separate, separated. So I understand that. Um, are, now, do you still play D&D stuff like that or yourself? or, or this? So I do. When I'm doing my role playing, I'm doing live action role playing. Okay, fact, so you're sticking with LARPs. Okay. I, was, I just returned from Sweden where I had gone to, uh, to Sweden and the Nordic countries are actually the experts in live action role playing in the world. Really? And they have a style of LARPing, uh, LARPing live action role playing called Nordic LARP. Uh-huh. And in Nordic LARP, it's much more of a simulation of a real world activity. So, for example, they ran one called 1942, which was set in a village in Norway, and about 60 people played either villagers or gu- German guards. It was about the, uh, as the German guards settled in and lived in this space. Mm-hmm. So, you were given a role of a villager. And a big difference is you're not playing to win. In fact, the joke is you say you're playing to lose. You're playing to tell a good story. You're going into this space to explore your emotions and feelings, and they're not always positive, and, and it's a very different space. Mm-hmm. One of the games I played while there was uh, exploring the concept of hopelessness 
And throughout the game, you were losing hope of ever being rescued. And at the, they actually started the game by saying, spoiler, all of you will be dead by the end of this game. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Take this time to explore what it would be like to face death. And it's, it's, it's a maturity of game design that we really don't see anywhere else right yeah. now. If we compare game design to other forms of media design, you know, to movies, to books, we figured out in movies and books how to do tragedy and the importance of exploring stories that are not always you're the hero. Mm-hmm. In games, we really aren't there. There's a few things we've seen, you know, Shadow of the Colossus and things in the indie world, and we see some of it in, in, in tabletop role-playing. But for the most part, we're really stuck on this Be the Hero story. And the Nordic LARP space is leading the forefront on games that make you think in other directions and, and yeah. affect you emotionally. People said, are they fun? Well, I wouldn't say they're fun, but they are engaging. It's like, it's like learning history through a different lens in, in, yes. a, in respect. I actually did a paper about historical escape rooms just on this, this concept. And oh, yeah. We developed a few for museums over in uh, Fort Stanwix up in upstate New York. We made room. an escape room there that helps you learn about a little bit of the fort through playing in this escape room space. And uh-huh. I think that the long tail of escape rooms after the recreational bubble bursts, which is going to happen, the longer tail is going to be through the historical fiction space and, and understanding what happened in an area by playing an interactive game. Awesome. See, and, and that's, we, we are big aficionados of the Renaissance Festival because it gives us a chance to, quote unquote, feel like we're a part of things, but this really takes it to a different level where it's not like just a surface kind of superficial feeling like you're a part of things. You dive in and you become really interacted with it. You really kind of start seeing it in a, in a, in a whole different angle. That's An important part of that is actually giving the player agency, mm-hmm. that you have the power to make choices. I've seen some, uh, some people be critical of living history spaces mm-hmm. where they have interactions and the players are given the role of being a water bearer for the day, or you get to be a gardener. And the problem with that model is it's not putting your attendees in an important role. You're letting the actors take the important role and the attendees are getting to carry water around. So instead, in a, you, when you design an escape room or even a, a type, tabletop game or a video game about this, you want to put the players in a role that matters, a role where they can see, they can make choices, they can have agency, and then they will see the impact of those choices. And that's where you can really get people engaged as compared to doing a trivial task or like in a Renaissance fair where you're more of an observer mm-hmm. and the actors are playing the important roles. What if there was a flip on that where you actually let your folks that were attending take on roles and be the king for an hour and make decrees and see the impact of making those decrees? So looking to game models to bring more agency, that's coming back to meaningful gamification like we talked about at the beginning. Right. Using game models to get people engaged in something in the real world. That's amazing. That, that's, and that, it really is. It, it seriously is mind-blowing. Yeah. That's a lot more than, hey, you know, <coughs> I, I rolled five. Take five space. And then answer that question. That's, it, it's a whole different level. Okay, before we get too far, I, I wanted to ask a quick question. The room that you created at Fort Stanwix, is it still there, or is that just for a limited time? So they, they still run it, but they run it for short periods of time because it does require an actor in the room. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but I do see the announcements that every few months they run it, uh, they'll, they'll open it up for a Saturday again for a day. Uh, that was a game that we designed a 20-minute escape game for families to play together because many escape games are not designed for kids. And so mm-hmm. it was important that a family, so it's designed, you come in, you play the game, it's the first thing you do because the story of the game is that you're in the quartermaster's office and attempting to figure out how to sabotage the fort. You're actually playing in, as British spies. Oh, nice. Because putting the player, this is a, a common design trick I use when I'm making meaningful games, is it's called flip the script. And it's the idea that yep. you're putting the player in the role of the bad guy because it gets them to then think about, oh, what would a bad guy do? Mm-hmm. We're making a game right now with my students. So we, we've been making games for Red Bull and making games for 
for other media properties. So we're making a series of escape rooms now for the upcoming release of a video series. And we are making the players the bad guy to do things around information security technology. And so we are helping by playing the game. You're going to understand what can someone get from your Facebook account? How, how likely is it that you can have your credit card information taken with an RFID scanner? Mm-hmm. And we're making the players something I, the sort of, here's an example of something that's not in the game so I can talk about it. Okay. At one point, we had the idea that the players would actually install onto an ATM, an ATM skimmer. Oh boy. And then come back and collect it later. So they got to see how a skimmer works and, and how they can then, in the real world, check for those skimmers to see if they're on an ATM machine. Mm-hmm. The idea of giving the player the ability to be the bad guy, to understand how bad guys think, can help them be a lot more safer in the real world. That's amazing. That is. That's wild. It's, it's an entirely it's it's like next level that you wouldn't even have considered. I'll I'll tell you as soon as as soon as Sherry told told me the topic was going to be international tabletop and then I was going to have a professor of games and design. The first the very first thing that popped into my head was from Starship Troopers, where uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character was in games and theory, and I'm like, what what what, what, what where, where are we going with this? I don't understand. So, so this is very I'm loving this. This is great. A whole lot of information here. Um, let me let me circle back to um. International Tabletop Day, real quick. Uh, I know that Geek and Sundry put that together, and it's been what seven years now, yes. as we were saying in yeah. the intro. Okay, do do you do you see this? Uh, um, do you have a way of maximizing that? Do you kind of jump on that that bandwagon a little bit? And, and are there events that you get behind? So what's nice about this day is it's a time to point people to go to a friendly local game store mm-hmm. and check out that store. This is one of the uh, we're at a critical point in the board game world because with both Kickstarter and online sales, it's made it very hard for your friendly local game store to survive. Mm -hmm. People will go to the game stores, they'll check out the games, and then check online and say, oh, I can buy this for a third of the price, it would save a lot of money and order Mm -hmm. it online, I'll just do that. Well, that's going to make it difficult for that game store to continue to have those games for you to go and look at if you don't support them. Mm -hmm. So what what I prefer to do is to push people to go to local game stores uh, to see the game stores and to play games there, because that's at, at the heart of this day is that importance of helping people understand that the, the services game stores offer. Because what's happening is many game stores now are offering places for people to play, mm-hmm. to meet with each other. That's how they're now trying to survive in this environment with the hopes that while their people are there, they will pick up some games to be able to play. Right. So that's my encouragement: is to go to a friendly local game store and support that game store and help that uh, that space to exist. Do you have one shop in particular you want to give a plug to? Well, J&J Games up in Waterloo, Ontario is my local fantastic store. Awesome. Uh, that's a great place. They, they have a great selection. So if you're ever traveling through Waterloo, take, take a look. I will definitely do that. We have a couple in the area that Sherry wanted me to plug. Enlightening Minds Gaming on Dewey, uh, Dewey Road or Dewey Avenue? Is it Rochester? Yeah, it's Rochester. So it's Dewey, Dewey Avenue. Avenue. Yeah. yeah, and then Millennium Games is one of our, our flagships, uh, and that's in West Henrietta Road. Uh, in Henrietta. And then uh, probably... And that is always a place I stop. Every time I drive from uh, where I live to Syracuse, mm-hmm. I always stop at the Millennium Games. Millennium. So it's you're right familiar with that. It, it's in my backyard. Yep. Um, yep. Chances are probably Just Games in Penfield. Oh, that's right. They're, they're, I, are they, they're not listed on the official okay. uh, Geek and Sundry uh, International Tabletop Game okay. website. I, these are the ones pulled directly from gotcha. them, so I know that they're gotcha, specifically gotcha. involved. All right. But that's With at least this. another local one that yes, has absolutely. people playing, I wish They're probably doing games. stuff. They yeah, probably yeah. are. Sherry, you got a couple out in the area that, near you that... Uh... In Syracuse, Comic Zone on South Main Street in North Syracuse. Um, and down in mine and Chris's area, there is Wanna Play Cafe, who we are very big mm-hmm. uh, 
We go there a lot. We go there <laughs> a lot. It's a lot of fun. That's a great place. They're doing great something. Great food and um, good times. Yep. That's it. See, that's and you try out all different times, all different types of games. Yeah, it's really fantastic. Um, and the Utica Public Library is doing something really big. Oh yeah. For for International Tabletop. Very Day. cool. Well, that's something to look forward to for the folks out there. Yep. All right. So now now we've kind of touched that a little bit. Um, my my question to you, Professor, would be where where do you go from here? Where do you see like uh, like future projects? How do you see this evolving? This whole culture. So as as far as in my own work or this. In, well, we'll like, start with your own work right now. So my own focus now is is on the world of, of escape rooms. Okay. Because the power of creating these live action experiences, bringing people together to, and for me, it's focusing on using these as learning opportunities, whether they be a recreational room. They don't all have to be about zombies and offices. They mm-hmm. can actually be about something that's going on. And that's a pattern. A lot of folks don't realize that, that North America is, the sl- is slower on escape rooms than Europe and Asia, that they actually started in Asia, then moved to Europe, and then hit North America. So Europe is about three years ahead of North America in general about mm-hmm. around escape rooms. And if you look at what's happening there, most cities in Europe have escape rooms, at least one escape room that's related to the local history of that city. Okay. I find that's really exciting, and I look forward to that happening here in North America, where escape room owners look at what's something interesting that's happened in this place where we live, where we can create a story that no one else has. And as players play that story, they're then going to be able to understand something about it. So to further that, uh, on my side here at the university, we're in the process of putting together an escape room studio where we can put forth uh, temporary escape rooms, test new ways of telling stories and getting people engaged. For me, escape rooms are a lot more than just puzzles in a room. Uh, They're about engaging in stories and giving players agency and getting them intrigued to want to go out and explore more about what's happening. So that's my continued focus is in this world of of live action gaming and bringing people, getting them physically engaged in what's going on. That's outstanding. Okay. There, there actually is a new escape room on Scottsville Road called the Nut House. Oh, is that? That yeah, it's right okay. across from like the airport. Okay, and that's different. One of our one of our sponsors, uh, Professor, is the Great Escape Room of Rochester, and and they have a, a variety of rooms, but it's more of along the lines of the very standard kind of you know solve the puzzles, get out of the room. It's there's not a lot of. Um, there's a, like an overwhelming theme for the room. They're all Sherlock Holmes based. Sherlock Holmes kind of esque feeling to it. Um, but it's it's not what you're saying, and I see what you're you're saying is like like what I was saying earlier is like the next level stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to actually have um, a junior escape room of sorts, kind of a, a, lo- a low key stripped down one at, at the convention that we do. We have the Flower City Comic Con, and we're having that in June. Uh, so Great Escape Rooms of Rochester is going to be coming in and setting up an actual escape room. Uh, so we're kind of excited about that. But I'm I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm like I want to talk to these people and say you know Rochester has a lot of history. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff going on here, you know, with the Underground Railroad and with the development of, of photography industry and things like that. There's got to be stuff we can tap on. That was you know? There's no reason to. You have this opportunity mm-hmm. to have people physically engaged in a space. You have to make up a story anyway, or you should. I, I wrote a, a paper about the different generations. There was a paper about the generations of technology in escape room, and I wrote a counter paper about the generations of narrative in escape room mm-hmm. to explore and encourage escape rooms to move beyond First, the, the generation one is just random puzzles in a room, and then second generation is where you have themed puzzles in a room. So it sounds like that's what you're talking about, where they're all Sherlock Holmes e uh, themed like it, but there's no real connection to a story right. deeper. And so that generation three is where you have a story that is being told through the puzzles that you do. We made one of those here in Brantford. So I, I taught uh, last semester. I taught the North America's first escape room design class. 
Oh, okay. And cool. I took the 40 students, and we ran a downtown theatrical live-action puzzle event in November celebrating an event that happened 150 years ago in Brantford at the founding of Canada. And as players engage with the challenges, the challenges were all about them solving what happened with this mystery and learning more about the layout of Brantford and what it was like at that time, learning about the social pressures Mm -hmm. and who the different social classes were at that point. And Mm -hmm. the whole purpose of the puzzles was to help people to learn more about these different situations. Uh, And so we can do that. And then the Generation 4 escape rooms is where you actually give players a meaningful choice. Uh, And that choice makes a difference with what's going on. So in our game, players had a moment to go back in time to observe something that happened 150 years ago, but they were instructed, don't change anything, Mm -hmm. don't change the past, you're just there to look. Well, they end up uh, watching someone who gets locked in a closet. They have the opportunity to open the door and let the person out. And if they do, it changes history. Okay. And so the players have this, and they're told don't touch anything. This, this thing plays out. This person gets locked in a closet. He's banging, let me out. And what actually happens, they know in the future that this person is what the mystery is about. And the suspicion is this person's skeleton was actually found into Town Hall of Brantford when it was reconstructed years later. That was what the Historical Society unearthed for us. Oh, wow. And so they have the opportunity to let him out. And so if they do let him out, they get an, they get a an announcement from their director saying, what have you done? You know, you've changed the past. You've got two minutes to fix it. <laughs> At that point, the team has to choose, do they leave someone behind locked in this closet or not? <laughs> and so there's three wow. paths as to how the game finishes based upon whether they did nothing, whether they let the person out and didn't fix it, or whether they let the person out and did fix it. Uh-huh. And so the players succeed or fail at their main mission, or and if they fail at their main mission, they're actually invited to join a secret group that's fighting against this group saying, you know, yeah, it's okay to change the past when we need to, and that is embroiling what will happen in the class the next time I teach it, and we design the next year's room. As, as, a, a, long, as a long-time <laughs> Doctor Who fan, I know meddling with time is entertaining as hell, so <laughs> I, 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 seriously, I, I'm all in on that. Um, in lieu of the fact that not all of us are going to be able to travel up to Brantford to take your classes, what are some materials that we would be able to, to kind of like find either online or maybe on a shelf at a bookstore? What are some of the things that we can do to introduce ourselves to some of this, this next level, this higher thinking of, of looking at game theory? So the, the, what I do is everything I write, I put online. Mm-hmm. And so if you go to scottnicholson.com, you okay. can find a link there that's uh, all of my papers and publications. Uh, whether or not I'm supposed to, according to the copyright agreements with the publishers, they're not paying me anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> you'll find uh, all of my papers on there, which have not only it's I did a international survey of escape rooms. I'm talking about these different models. So if you go to scottnicholson.com and click on the publications link, you will find lots and lots of writing there, not only on escape rooms, on meaningful gamification, what we just talked about with the psychology of gamification. You'll find about 30 pieces on games and libraries. And if you want to keep going, you'll learn all about data mining and web search tools. Wow. Okay. I'm looking at it right now. Are you? Yes. What do you see? Um, a whole bunch of blue links to <laughs> all these papers. So yep. there's, there's a lot of material there to, to, to take in. Oh. oh, that's exciting stuff. I, I will definitely be speaking to the people at Utica Public Library about this. Okay, because oh, ex- they also do a con. Oh, that, that's right, they do. You were talking about Pandemicon, that. and uh, we're part of that as well. I'm going to hop over to exploring gamification techniques for classroom management. Okay, which that's, is good for you. I mean, because as, as a special education teacher, you yes. yeah. This, yeah, this are... was, that was the article where I did a study on 
this, it, these extrinsic motivators like leaderboards and points and badges mm -hmm. and found the harm that they can do. And so I'm presenting the results from that and then ways to do it, it ways to use gamification that won't harm your learners. See, just, just talking about that reminds me back in elementary school about mm -hmm. those things. And I Such can see how it can harm people. Mm -hmm. You know, stigma. Well, great lesson from this. Yeah. So kids, before they go to school, they want to learn about the world. They're asking questions. They want to know about what's going on. And then we begin to reward them for learning. We begin to give them grades. Mm -hmm. And having them have this reward for learning disincentivizes their own desire to continue exploring the world. So you end up with kids that then don't want to learn because they've been rewarded. They don't want to learn. Is there a grade for this? Is this going to be on exam? I don't want to learn it if it's not. Yeah. So the grade system actually has done more harm than anything to get to create people that, when they're done, don't really want to continue to learn. And that has to rebuild over time. That's what happens is these reward systems, they harm your intrinsic motivation, mm -hmm. and then that has to be rebuilt over time. And, and so we've done a lot of harm to our learners by focusing so much on grades and tests and all of that stuff. And that's gamification. It's adding game-like elements to motivate people. And that's mm -hmm. the problem with these sorts of empty reward systems. And that probably helps with, with individuals who have trouble learning to begin with. Oh, yeah. It just, it just gives them a different avenue to, to learn things. Right. If so someone doesn't that's have intrinsic amazing. motivation for something, then the rewards are a way to get them going. The important thing at that point is to make a conversion that during that learning process, while you have them and doing something, help them find what is intrinsically motivating to them, which is why in all of my classes I let my students pick their project focuses. I let them find so that semester one in, in my program for game design is the students identify three organizations that they have some interest in, mm -hmm. identify an audience that each organization serves, and a way that organization is trying to motivate the audience. And then they pitch games to make that happen. And that's the first semester. And then the second semester they make board game prototypes. And the next semester they begin to make digital games to focus on this and continue to build this making games for people. But it's driven by the student's passion, because that's how you can get over the harm we do with just using rewards, is you try to build with this intrinsic motivation. We, um, as you're probably well aware, we have the, the Strong Museum of Play here in Rochester. My favorite museum in the entire world. And, and it's, it's up there on my, my list as well. And we were just there last weekend. Um, we tabled there for the con. Uh, they have their superhero weekend that they have every, uh, every spring. And right on the wall of the main entrance as you walk in is this quote, and I can't, I'm not going to do it justice, but to paraphrase, it was basically, to learn to play is to learn to live, mm -hmm. you know, is in essence what the, the, the message is. And, and it just, if we could just pass that. I, want, I would love to put Professor Nicholson in the same room as my mother, who was a school teacher for 37 years. And she's retired now, but she was saying so much about, you know, her observations and, and, uh, and how grades and testing and standardizing testing and things like that were just the completely wrong direction to have gone in. To, to, see the, to listen to the two educators bantering back and forth, I think that would be, that would be amazing. Um, so that's, okay, I'm, I'm going to trip over my own words right now because I'm absorbing information right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you hit on an important phrase there, and that's the phrase play. Mm -hmm. When I talk about a game, you know, a game is a form of play with goals and structure. That's mm -hmm. the pocket definition I use for it. And so at the heart of a game is play. And if you think about, we've talked about gamification and its motivations to play by giving you rewards is actually what games do. Games create rewards to motivate you to play. Mm -hmm. So if you can now step back and say, could we just play? 
could we just explore, have the freedom to explore space mm-hmm. and enjoy creating rules on the fly and breaking rules? Because that's, play, that's what play is. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the freedom to explore the boundaries of a space. And you push those boundaries and you break the rules and you change the rules and you mess things around and it's very intrinsically motivating. So that's why I like the Museum of Play so much is they grab that spirit of play. And I try to help people in the games that I'm creating. So I'm, I'm in, the, in Going Going Gone, I wanted to create a board game that gave people a more playful experience around auctions. And so the way I did that, in each round of the game, there are five auctions that go off simultaneously in 10 seconds. Because I got tired of boring auction games where you just slowly counted numbers up at each other. Mm -hmm. So instead, you've got a handful of cubes, and the cubes are being thrown into these little buckets, and each bucket is one auction. And whoever puts the most cubes into a bucket in 10 seconds wins the auction. However, the timer is set by one player. Each round is a different auctioneer, and that player gets to determine the pace of the auction. So the player is going to count from 10 to 1. And they can count fast, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 4, 3, 2, 1. And people are panicking and throwing cubes everywhere. Or they can count slowly, 10, 9, 8. And people are doing it a little slower and thinking about it. But that is a concept of play, where I'm giving over to the players control of the game. I'm helping them make it their experience, rather than me as the designer dictating everything about it. And that's why I try to bring the spirit of play into my games, because I like to have the players feel some ownership of what's going on, of co-creating that experience with me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like when we've played like Pandemic or Talisman or whatever, where you do have like an ultimate goal at the end, but you can still kind of like make the choices for your character or your team. Because I know like we've lost a Pandemic game, like the the Cthulhu version, like three different times, or even Pandemic The Cure, we've been playing like, okay... Let's see if we put in into this character and this character and this character. Mm-hmm. How does this scenario work? Oh crap! The whole thing out broke, and so therefore the virus took over. Well, let's reshuffle and then let's try it a different way, and then try it a different way. So it's like we're still all trying to problem solve this yeah. and, and playing. We're like, damn it, we didn't win. So let's try this again. Let's shaking up and let's see if this would have worked or this would have worked or mm-hmm. this would have worked. And then of course, well, you hit upon my favorite. Uh, my favorite innovation in board games in the last decade or so, and that is is collaborative games. Oh, I love collaborative games. Where everyone's working together to work work with the game, and it creates a very different spirit. Those That is where I see the tabletop come to life, mm-hmm. as compared to a game where it's very competitive and people are just sitting there, and they look like they're constipated as they're staring at the board, and they don't <laughs> look like they're having fun. That's in collaborative games, people are engaged. They're talking. They're trying to work out this puzzle together. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like so much about escape rooms. They're collaborative activities where you've got people coming together and sharing in this challenge and sharing in a face-to-face way, which we don't get in online spaces. And then mm-hmm. we lose that. Even if you're working with other people online, it can be hard to replicate that face-to-face experience. And that's I, I, I like what's gone on with collaborative tabletop games, and, and that's what drew me really to get engaged with escape rooms, is that we're working together against the challenge. I have to say, using um, voice chat in online games makes a huge difference with that, mm-hmm. because you know I, I mm-hmm. used to play single single player, you know, first person shooters, and then once I got into collaborative, like Catch the Flag and team games against other other teams, we got onto voice, and the dynamics changed incredibly. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because you and, and do you enjoy the loving, supportive? community of voice chat that you get through uh, yeah and that's uh, i'd say okay. that's a key difference between if you're with people you know that's one thing yep yeah if you're in with people you don't know 
it can be very awful. See, yeah. I've, ne- I've never done voice chat with anyone but my team. Right, yeah, yeah I've yeah. been blessed by because so. I've been playing World of Warcraft on and off since it came out 14 years ago, and I have a guild, a set group of people that I met on Warcraft, and so for 14 years, these people have become my friends and kind of extended family. So I'm, I'm blessed that it insulates me from the general the general joy of being out in the public of, of the Internet. Um, but, yeah, it, it's he's right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. having that interaction change. When you hear their voices and you can talk and you can hear their sense of humor and the tenor of the voices, it changes how you interact on the game itself. Whereas my kid who is jumping into whatever game on whatever team. Yeah. It, he gets so you don't know frustrated. What you're gonna get. You don't know what yeah, you're going to exactly. get, and get he ended up group. self getting himself banned for 24 hours because <laughs> he starts Live. swearing at him. Because up. right, because something <laughs> happened, and I'm just like, um, uh-huh. what lesson did we learn? Yeah, type Here, thing. Here's my uh, imitation of the internet. You suck. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, seriously. Billy, Billy lands the entire thing in one in one two word phrase. Um, you know, and and so now it's it's where do we? I mean, with, with tabletop day. We want to to celebrate that collaboration. We want to celebrate everybody being together in that social atmosphere, and and, and being together. That. And, and I do too. I mean, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons now for thirty years. Oh, you're old. A uh, shut up. You're not that much. <laughs> young. You're not. You're not. You're only what two years behind me. So yep. stop. So I'm stop. much younger than you. Yeah. Okay. But we'll well, always Chris started in the womb. Be younger. Yeah. yeah we'll he was be. the only one year old that was playing Dungeons. That's and right. Yeah. Yeah. I was rolling no, dice but, in, but, in nursery. But truly, getting together and uh-huh. just. Getting, getting with a group of friends and uh-huh. playing, whether it's a board game like Talisman and things yeah. like that, or even playing the Cthulhu and things like that. It's or, just or maybe a podcast. A, no, well. That, Doing a podcast together? Yeah. That's, we, we should try we that should sometime. Try that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hit the record button. Work. Yeah, please. <laughs> It'll never work. <laughs> It'll never work. <laughs> It'll never work. <laughs> no, but I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like, I like the physical human interaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, because well, we're social creatures, humans. That's that's why the internet comment section is always so strained for us because it's not uh, very social. No, you know, it's always just very antagonistic and, and polarizing. And to put in a plug for a relatively new game, have you uh, heard about Untold Adventures Await? I have not. No, and I am now this going to write is, it down. If I were to send one takeaway with people as to if you like the idea of this collaborative storytelling, but Dungeons and Dragons is scary. <laughs> uh, Untold Adventures Await is a new board game put out by the same people that create Rory's Story, story Cubes. And so well, these Story Cubes have been out for some time, and what they are are a series of dice that have images on them. And it's, there's a series of, of games mm-hmm. you can play with them where you roll the dice and tell stories. And Untold Adventures Await creates a one-hour collaborative role-playing game using those Story Cubes as the base. And what nice. they've done is very clever that it's designed with a story structure based off of the hero's journey. And you'd only know this if you've studied the hero's journey, but you yep. put dice out and tell stories about the dice faces, and then those dice come back to revisit you. So you have this big challenge, and then you struggle, and you learn, and then you have a revisit of the challenge. The game gives prompts to help you go through. You, so you make characters. You go through five five scenes, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it, it frames it all within the TV show to say, okay, what's the name of your TV show? What's the genre of your show? Who are your characters? Who is the bad guy? What are you facing off? What will happen in the next episode? And it sets it up that you can actually, you can play again and again with the same characters to continue telling your story. But it's designed to plays in about one hour for up to four people. You don't need a GM. You don't need any preparation. But you get a good role-playing style experience that prompts people who've never done role-playing and helps them tell stories. That sounds fascinating. It's it is, it's, it's I'm looking at it right now. Are you? Yes, I am. 
I, I can think of many GMs who might need to play this. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you looking at Sherry? No, I'm not. I'm not looking at her. I'm, I'm just sharing, to looking at her direction. Sharing the comments. I was, is what oh, he is. Yes. He's not accusing her of anything. No, okay. You know, if I was going to accuse anyone, I'd be turning my head the other way, but he's telling a wonderful story, so oh, yeah, that's, he's telling that's a not story. an issue. Something so. about a baby dragon dying. Yes. There was, there was, no, it lived. It, it lived. did. It lived. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. You got another right spell. Was, I'm not I, a full-on George R.R. R. Martin in my dungeon mastering. I, I'm just going to tell you that right now. I was I couldn't tell you. Yeah. He's like, don't tell her. So on April 28th, Professor, on International Tabletop Day, I'm assuming there's going to be a game, uh, a, a um, an escape room that has your name all over it. Am I am I correct in that assumption? <laughs> I, you know, actually, probably that day we'll do something in our game lab. Okay. That we have up in uh, up in Brantford and uh-huh. the BGN lab, the Begin lab, where games begin. We do events that we open the doors up to the public to have them come and engage with what's going on. Mm-hmm. So if people want to see what we're up to, if, if you want to go to bgnlab.ca, uh, we have uh, public events that happen regularly. We've got our Game of the Year Fair happening next week, next, uh, next Friday, where we invite people to come and see the best games made by our students because we're coming up to the end of our semester, so we like to show off what our students have done. That's cool. That's great. Can I have you repeat that, that, uh, that web address for me, please? Sure. It's bgnlab. Okay. .ca. .ca, okay. Yeah, beginlab.ca. Gotcha. And you'll find a blog there. You'll find links to videos that I do about escape rooms and about game design and things like that. And that would be the best way to keep up if you live. Brentford is about four hours away from Syracuse, about three hours from Rochester. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we do regular events there. They're open to anyone that wants to come and join. How, how close are you to, to Niagara Falls? About an hour and, and, a, and ten minutes or so. Okay. okay. That's not a bad drive. Yeah. No, nice. it's a it's it's a pretty easy trip. To, I can get across the border now. You have your extended license finally. I do. I can get across the border. Congratulations! Don't let, let me over. Finally had that felony wiped off your ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Billy. <laughs> your record. Fel- felony adorability. If you're looking for what I would see the best escape room that is in that area, mm-hmm. easy to cross the border and see that has story based puzzles. It's it's at the Crux is the name of the company. C R U X. And the game is called Dead Air. Just recently won an award. Uh, the designer works really hard to integrate story in with the puzzles and the challenges. Uh, he's really pushing pushing the narrative forward. So if you want to explore that, I, I, I would. That's my plug is to go check out the Crux in Niagara Falls. The Crux at Niagara Falls, Canada. Oh. All right. awesome. It's a rock and roll zombie apocalypse escape game. Oh, see, because yep. that's very topical these days. Oh. <laughs> we have plenty of zombies. Most of them is are in it Congress. Scary? No, no, no. It is. It is. It's actually. It's not scary. Okay. Uh, despite what the story is, and I think that's the biggest problem he has is people think it's going to be scary, and it's not. You're in a radio station booth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never been in one. Of those. No, I've never yeah. been in a studio. So imagine. Whatsoever. Look around yourself right now. Everything you see <laughs> is, is is that's what the escape room is. Is you're in a radio station, and so it's the broadcasting that's the scary. the last known radio message, and you're going to try and see if there's another person that's living there. And what that's they did. Awesome. I'm going to spoil a little bit here about hints. So to to do hints to help the players know what to do, uh-huh. you uh-huh. listen to the radio feed that's playing the whole time. I love it. Of course, if I walk into another feet. studio and see a life-size cutout of Sha- uh, Shaquille O'Neal, I am probably going to start panicking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's staring at me right now. <laughs> well, stop looking that way. I can't help it. I'm, I'm Look a fidgeter. Look at Billy instead. I can't nah, see Shaq's him. better. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see him through the microphone. All right. Um, so listen to the radio feed. There's a good tip. That's gonna, and they, I'm sure that they're probably giggling. The people who create these rooms are always like in the background giggling as as folks are like floundering around and missing the point. 
Oh, or uh, crying. Um, or, cry, or crying. Because this is so <laughs> we obvious. We made the escape rooms for the Red Bull Escape Room World Championships. Oh, wow. So I was on the TV show live as the final two teams are working through the final challenges. And they're That's both wonderful. getting stumped hmm. on one of the challenges. And I'm watching as neither team is figuring out what to do. And you could see my face just drop. <laughs> not solving it. And not solving it. And both teams ended up timing out on that specific puzzle. Neither oh, wow. team solved it. What was interesting, so as me as a puzzle designer, I'm like, oh, that's horrible. You know, they didn't get what to do. And because it was competitive, I couldn't jump in with a hint. Oh, okay. Say, hey, try this thing. I just had to watch them fumble around and flail. And uh, that, was, that was rough to be on live TV watching this go on, mm-hmm. realizing the teams are just not figuring out what to do. And, and that's like the every crux of a parent or a teacher when, when someone's failing at somebody, you want to jump in and help mm-hmm. them. Help but, them but, but they need to go but through they the experience. Need to, try to figure it out from yeah. themselves. It's like and, watching a train wreck, really. It's just, you know what's <laughs> happening. You just can't do a darn thing about it. That's all so if you want to see me tor- in tortured for the 10 longest minutes of my life, <laughs> go to redbull.tv and watch the Escape from World Championships and see me uh, up there trying to watch this all go. I'm... But we learned a lot, and we're making the ones for next uh, season's Red Bull World Championships as we speak. So they've Wonderful. hired us back to be the designers, and I've got five students working with me on that. That's That's, that's amazing. That's yeah. just wonderful. I'm looking forward to that. That's definitely very cool. Um, I want him to come down and do something for us. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> seriously. I think we need to, when we're off air, we'll see if we can talk to him about coming down and, and visiting us for uh, for FC3. We might not be able to swing together uh, this, this year, but, year, but, but definitely year. for 2019 show. I'd, I'd love to have a, a masterful hand at this. This would be cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anybody else got Where anything? else to go? Where else do we go from here? I don't think there's anything else we've got left at the moment. Escape. Well, we're gonna Escape. we're gonna solve the puzzles and and go to go to break. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Okay. Professor, thanks for your time today. This has been awesome. I really appreciate it. And Sherry's got something. She's holding her finger up to me, and yeah. it's, it's her index, not her middle finger, for a change of pace. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say, please, please say hi to Professor Lavender and and give him my best. Do you want to say hi to Professor Lavender? I would love to say hi to Professor Lavender. I will put him on the phone. Oh wow, oh, he's there. Wow. That's awesome. One of your old students. <laughs> and I'm going to stress the word and old. old. Yeah. yeah, we all caught that. <laughs> Should have been. Fun. Hello. Hi, Professor Lavender. I'm sure that with all the students you've had over the many years, you do not remember me. But um, I just wanted to say hi and just to tell you that you are one of the best college professors I've ever had in my life. You can introduce yourself oh, and remind them what your name was. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good puzzle to solve right there off the yeah. bat. Now he's got to figure out that. what it is. Yes, <laughs> escape that. Yes, this is, this is uh, Sherry Alberski, and um, you might not remember me from class, but one time I did give you a ride home when your car was being fixed. <laughs> so. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, thank you for the compliment. Thank you for talking to us. Okay. <laughs> Here's my here's my better half. Uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. That was thank awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that, Professor. And thank you for your time today. We really appreciate getting the chance to talk to you. All right. Take care. You have thank a great you. rest of the day. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. And when we come back, we have some short segments and some events coming up. Shenanigans? Shenanigans. <laughs> I'm totally loving the music we've been using lately. I really am. This is the good stuff. So we're back. 
That was fun. That was, that was yes. a really good conversation. I want to play a game now. I do. Me too. I, really I want, do. actually want to go to the Great Escape Room. Uh, well, there's the one room we haven't done yet. The we library. have to go rescue Billy. Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> stuck in the one you guys didn't do. <laughs> He's in, he, never mind. Unfortunately, down in also our area. Also stuck in the 50s. <laughs> down in our area, there was only one. It was called the Skeleton Key, and uh-huh. they closed down. And they closed. Uh-huh. And the best thing was they had an art gallery. Oh, wow. From local artists. Okay. So it was kind of combining a bunch of different things. That's it was neat. really neat. It was a really cool place. That'd but be kind of a cool do, place to have. Unfortunately, Oneida, New York was not a good place. No, I don't think so. Maybe Rochester, New York for something like that, I would think. <laughs> I thought you were moving to Rochester. We Talk might, to him. If, if they ever move west of where they are now, we would have to probably find them a house in Macedon or something like that. Something out in kind of a little more of a rural area rural because thing. Chris can't handle if a house is like literally like two steps away from, from the house. I can't houses. handle that, and I really hate the traffic. Yeah. Wow. It's nice being in the woods. <laughs> He's lost in the woods. Well, oh, actually, one of the rooms at the um, not house one was mm-hmm. cabin in the woods. Is it really? Yes, that was one of the one of the rooms and things like you were on a whitewater rafting trip and the raft flips flips and you drag yourself out and then you go. Do they soak you before you walk into the room? I hope not. <laughs> I, hope not. <laughs> I don't. But, anybody wants nobody wants to see a wet t-shirt contest with me in it. That's <laughs> I'm just saying right now. <laughs> See, Sherry's. Sherry's. <laughs> Are, haven't you missed us? Very much. <laughs> now he's within something arm reach. Can yeah. you see his she face? can't herd the cat even in the room. Oh, come on. I've, I'm behaving myself he's today. Not bad today. I didn't I'm say behaving. he was bad. <laughs> I'm so screwed. Not good. All right. I'm going to go down. I'm going to go You're... down the list on the, on the script here at the moment. <laughs> I'm going down in flames. Aruga, aruga, die, yeah. die. Stop it. All right. We have an event coming up. There's only one event on the calendar right now. Yeah, because we're like gearing up for the it's main The attraction. main event, the big show. Are you ready show. to rumble? Oh, wait, sorry. Oh, I can't use that. Are you ready to rumble? I? Should I put a beep in there or something? <laughs> <laughs> I can't use that, can I? The Flower City Comic Con coming at you June 9th and 10th of 2018 oh. at the Rochester Riverside Convention Center. Tickets are available for the 2018 oh FC3 at the following Everywhere. locations in and around Rochester. Whoever's distributed our tickets did a great job this year. I, I, I'm saying Brian definitely Brian has amazing some of it and I know he was trying to get some out to um, mm-hmm. Canadagla. Right. We have them at First Print Comics, 13th Verse Comics, Blades for Life at Puff Palace, <laughs> End Zone Collectibles, Rhinos Comics and Collectibles, Comic Book Heaven, all Heroes Comics. Are you sensing this, the pattern here? Mm-hmm. Uh, Etc. Yeah. who year after year has been good to us. Yankee Clipper House of Cards, Hammer Girl Anime, and Wonderland Comics. If you can get to any one of those places, you can get your hands on actual hard copy tickets for the FC3. And they could actually drop one of us an email mm-hmm. because I currently have tickets mm-hmm. in my possession. I am not entrusted with tickets because I tend to give them out to people at willy-nilly levels. Yeah, I, no, I, <laughs> I I currently have them. And I want you to come to the show. Here, have a ticket. So <laughs> It um, defeats the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't have many, but See, I that have never some. happens. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, no, not, no, that was good. That's, no, that's there was no sorry Why involved. we're here. <laughs> yeah, I know, to have some fun. We do not have an everyday hero yes, we this do. week. Do we? <laughs> it's just a duplicate of last it's time. It's a duplicate of... 
Sherry did a cut Tom, and paste from last you're year. Still my hero. I know I am. I, I should be your Ferris hero. Ferris Bueller, you're my hero. Present. Yes. Have I ever told you you're my hero? I am. You're everything. Bill, you're my hero. I can't do whatever you do over there. I can't do it either. That's half the problem. No, you know. So we were working on the panel schedule last night. Oh yeah, and we were talking about a podcast thing. A potential panel to have the podcast group interview the people doing podcasting 101 and things like that. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, we could get Billy to do blah blah blah. And That's then, a one then week. Chris get, goes, I'm out of town. Billy's yeah. out of town. I'm like, damn it. Maybe we can get Polly. We <laughs> <laughs> talk Polly into doing can it. We talk Polly into doing Maybe. it. Maybe <laughs> it be it would be fitting because every time Polly goes on vacation, Billy has Billy's to fill in for them. And I, actually, so. when I go, when I go on vacation, he has to fill in for me. See, there so. you there go. There you go. So, so he should be doing. He that. should be doing. But Chris is like, I don't know if Polly would do it. I said, I'm sure that we could probably ask Billy to ask Polly. We'll give to him do free it. plug for his sauce, and and then and his sauce is amazing. It, it is. So I, we can bribe him. We can bribe him. I'm with pretty sure the we can treats. bribe him. Uh, or if we just... get in good with his wife Ryan, maybe she, we can have oh. her con him into doing it. Con. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended, but Polly? there you go. Can you do this for these people, Polly? <laughs> <laughs> this rendition of Ryan yeah. brought to you by <laughs> Billy Dottori. <laughs> and actually, to be honest with you, it wasn't bad. <laughs> Yeah, wow. no, but it was just yeah, like I totally forgot thing. that you were going to be out of town that weekend, and yeah. I'm just like my whole heart dropped. I'm like, <laughs> unless you can talk Bruce Springsteen to coming to the con. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. no, I have powers, but I think that because because if he were here, he would have to change Thunder Road Road to Pothole Road. <laughs> it still sounds like thunder when you're bouncing along. Yeah, I'm serious, Not, especially um, when you're driving down Lake Avenue lately. It's like, holy crying out loud! Why do I need new shocks? Because of Lake Avenue. The throughway was like that in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. So what are we doing for the rest of the day? It's a Saturday. Usually we're recording on Sundays. It's a Saturday today, but we're, we're respecting Easter Sunday tomorrow. And so what are we doing for the rest of the day? I'm going to see uh, Ready Player One tonight. Oh, nice. you're going to have to let me know what you think of that one. I will. Because he hasn't read the book yet. No, my wife read the book when it first came out, loved it. Mm-hmm. And it's a book I want to read, haven't got to, but now I'm waiting till I see the movie. Right. I remember you talking about that last time. Because I didn't want to go in with the preconceived notion of the book in my head now. Right. So right, now right. I'm just excited that it's Spielberg having fun. And and that's really that's where you get the good stuff is mm-hmm. when when he's just taking off the leash and just letting my oh see I'm being handed a chocolate chip cookie from Zeb's. Uh, where was my thought going? Um, ready, <laughs> ready player, player one. Ready I'll, player I'll tell one. you if I like it. Okay, please do. Please see, do. I haven't Spielberg get his best. Hmm? I haven't finished reading it yet. Cherry I, bought it for me for Christmas, and I had actually taken it out from the Utica Public Library mm-hmm. and started reading it then at one of the librarian's suggestions. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just felt miserably at all of that. So. I um I've been doing some preemptive packing because I'm starting to look for a house. As I've said on a couple of podcasts in the past, I'm trying to buy a new house and uh, and get ready to move. So I've been doing some preemptive packing, getting stuff off the shelves that just sits there for decoration purposes or whatever. And a couple of nights ago, I took the stack of books of that I have set aside. These are the books I've been meaning to read. These are the books that I want to read that I've been shown to stuff that Sherry has sent me to read and things like that. And I stacked it all up. 
the stack of books that I'm trying to read is literally about four foot three. Yeah, between it's almost as big as one of my kids. Between my regular books, I want to read uh-huh. library books that I don't have copies of, but want to go get them at the library, yeah. and just bags of comic books that I mm-hmm. haven't even mm-hmm. touched yet. I got a stack of comic books that's <laughs> taking up a whole section of my my bookshelf. Yeah, it's, okay, uh, it's terrible. We do have an everyday hero. We do have an everyday we hero. Do Sherry found an everyday hero, Billy? Okay, good. Go I ahead. would like to give a shout out to Amanda at the Utica Public Library. Amanda at the Public Library? All right, Utica Public Library. Utica Public Library. Okay. Yep, Amanda Stewart. Amanda Stewart, who um, was actually the person that I contacted you about tickets because mm-hmm. she wants to, about whether kids could come. Oh, right, right, right. Because yeah, she yeah. would like to come out to FC3. FC3. But she also is in charge of Fandemicon. Ooh. At the Utica Public Library, which is a very nice little convention that's nice. specifically for really with kids in mind because okay. she's the children's librarian and she does a lot of game and mm-hmm. she's just an awesome person and she's my personal hero nice and actually a little behind the curtain stuff as long as we're talking about this down the street at the rochester public library mm-hmm. there's a woman that runs the graphic novel novel section mm-hmm. like all the comic books and graphic novels i can't remember her name and i feel bad but she knows more about comics in the history of comic books than anybody i've ever met we're going to get her name and we're going to do an official shout out i, next I time. talk to her every time i go there and borrow something she's always got recommendations that's awesome she's awesome and, and that's I, at rundell yes so downtown she, she works down in, with the the kids section and uh and the graphic novels all and right. she's very well read and all that stuff so. we're going to track down her name so we can give her a proper shout out mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful we'll stop in this week um we're going to wrap up our our session to, today with what was your favorite board game or card game as a child so that's the question of the week billy what was your favorite board game or card game as a child and what was the last one you played? Okay, as a child child, I got to go back to like uh shoots and ladders, Candyland, mm-hmm. Trouble type of thing. Okay. I love Trouble. Uh, love Trouble cuz like <laughs> I know you too. <laughs> <laughs> you don't lose the dice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The Popomatic. Yes. Uh as a teenager and young adult and uh uh, Professor Nicholson seemed to be against Trivial Pursuit, but mm-hmm. I was good at it, so I loved it. Okay. So you're a fountain of useless yeah. knowledge. Yeah, yes. exactly. We played that so much. We have so many versions. Of so Trivial I, I love Trivial Pursuit. And the last one I played, I actually had to look it up because uh, now I don't get to play board games with adults mm-hmm. uh, because it, you, my, you, my you, wife and I just live and nephews, alone. Right? But yeah, my niece and nephew come over every once in a while and usually bring games and they'll be over tomorrow, so I'm sure I'll be playing something. But I had to look up the picture of uh, my cat in the lid of the box of the game we were playing oh, last time right. they were over. Wits and it wagers. was called Wits and Wagers. I yeah. remember. Okay. I didn't. I had to look did. it up. <laughs> so uh, it, Wits and Wagers was the last game I played. Was it Oliver played. that was in there? Yes. So uh, that was the last game I played, and it, I remember it being fun. So <laughs> There you go. How about you, Tanya? Oh, God. Um, well, one that I don't like is Monopoly because it's the game that never Yeah, ends. but that's not the question. Because we don't play it correctly. I like Monopoly. Nobody, nobody plays, nobody it, plays correct. it correctly. Well, what, they, okay, what what is incorrect about the way most When you play? land on a property, uh-huh. you get first choice whether you want to buy it or not. If right. you choose not to, it goes up for auction. It goes up for auction. Really? Yes. Yeah, nobody plays it that way. Yeah. And there's truly huh. no money that goes into the middle for when you land on free parking. It's just oh. a free parking space, but everyone seems to throw all their That's payments fun, into yeah, the yeah. middle and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's like yeah. but 
I always wind up in jail like Just every like a proper time. capitalist system. There's something free. Let's pay for it. Did you know that it was actually first invented as a um, basically railing against capitalism? Mm-hmm. It was an anti it was basically to it show the evils. Board. Yeah, it was supposed <laughs> to show the evils of capitalism. Yeah. And then Parker Great Brothers job. got their hands on it yep. and went, and turned it capitalistic. Yep. <laughs> We're Great job. Make money off of this. Uh, one. There was a documentary on Netflix when I first got it years ago. I don't know if it's still on about the history of Monopoly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, if go see Netflix yeah. still has it was the invented Monopoly by game. a woman who was a socialist. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a child, I didn't play as many board games. I mean, I was an only child, so I would play card games. So card games, I would play Rummy, and my cousins taught me how to play Euchre by like the age of 12. Nice. So We're, I'm a big Euchre player. So. so bad. My my Euchre skills are notorious and, in many circles. And I find that, and I've then the other played. one I'm is awful. Um, a card game of 31, or we call it Scat. I don't mm-hmm. know if anyone else plays Yeah, I, I played one scat. when I was a, a kid. Yeah. And a card you, game you named have, after Deer Poop. Awesome. And then you have um, Deer? Hello, Deer. Scat. Yeah. Quarters or dollars or whatever, yeah. and then you you're on your honor, whatever, and knocking gotcha. things like that. So the last one, but the last board game I played, Bellsman. No, what did I play last? Probably um, Sorry Sliders with Riker. Okay, it, it's like the Sorry game, but it's yeah, it got the little pieces that you slide into like a center hole to, to kind of. Game points and things like that. It's not as mean as actually the sorry game where you land on somebody's piece and sends it back to their start. Gotcha. So, but. all right, very nice. How about yes. you, Cher? Um, probably as a kid, I loved Sorry. Loved that game. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just the best game. Um, on YouTube, look up the Carol Burnett Sorry sketch. You remember? Uh, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Hold on, I'm looking. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's on YouTube because everything is. Actually, the, not a lot of Carol, Carol Burnett is on YouTube. What was the, the Mama's Family family? Was Eunice? Yeah. And they Carol they were Burnett, playing Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. But no, I loved that oh, game. Oh, yeah. It's on kid. here. Okay. That's a I, very funny sketch. And I always think no of it when the game. No audio from this. Okay. I can't. No, you can't. We can't pull it up. And but. my aunts, I, I like... I had aunts that were not that much older than me, but just enough that they had really old-fashioned games, like they had um, Mystery Date. Do you end up playing Mahjong? I've never played Mahjong. <laughs> me neither. Mm, on, no. Well, other than on the computer. On the yeah. computer. I don't on think I would have the patience yes. to set it up in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere well, down the way in the you basement, it, I have one. The way you play it in it's, real life it's is like a, really it's a nothing rummy, It's a like rummy it. game. It's yeah. not a oh, matching tile game. It's a rummy game. It's different. Interesting. Mm-hmm. They just use the same tile gotcha. for it. Um, and I'm trying to think of what the last one, chances are it was either with you or it was with Monk. It might have been with both of us. Yeah. Because we play, you got to understand, we play a lot of games. It's always been a thing in our family. Mm-hmm. We play a lot. We own a ton of games. I didn't notice when I was out visiting you guys. No. I didn't see that. And you didn't even, see the, you didn't even yeah. see the the two big boxes that are right. games. We have storage. games all over the house. <laughs> yeah, you do. Between Tyler's room, the toy room. Your the... basement can actually qualify as an offshoot of the Strong Museum of Play. That's all I'm saying. And it, because between the, the books mm-hmm. and the actual shelf yes. of board games. Yes. And then there's games behind the uh-huh. couch in the window seat. I know. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then the sunroom. <laughs> and then the sunroom. 
Probably the last game we played was probably Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Which oh, we, don't play no. with our daughter. No, it wasn't. She's it wasn't. really good, and it's kind of frightening. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't Cards Against Humanity. What was it? Was, um, uh, Joking Hazard. Joking Hazard, which is a similar type game, but it's by Cyanide and Happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, probably the last board game we played was probably Pandemic, because Monk and I play a lot of Yeah, Pandemic. you guys play that a lot. Okay. Yeah. So. Or no, you know I know exactly what it was last one. It was that supernatural. Oh, that's Join right. Join the hunt yeah. game. That was the last one we played. Join the hunt. That was anyone for Christmas. Gotcha. You know, I was thinking about the board game night that that would have been passed when we record this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I Release. was in whatever. Yeah. Leave me alone. No. Um, and there was one call. I was in Target, and I'm like, oh, I should get a couple new games to bring to Knox, and one was called the Chameleon. So it's like. One of the four players is actually kind of like the mole or the chameleon type thing, and you have to figure out which one it is. And he's trying to blend in with the rest of the answers. That's neat. There is a game that I currently love, but unfortunately we can't get many people who want to play it because it's a very involved game. Mm -hmm. And it's called uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. And where it's a cooperative game. My sister-in-law Kelly will play with you. Yeah, it's a cooperative game until it's... Not. Yeah, and she was the betrayer. She ended <laughs> yes. up winning, and she posted I've it been, on I've uh, been the Facebook. betrayer, yep. yep. Her, her, Aaron, her cousin, mm-hmm. all played it one night. I remember and, you guys talking about it, yeah. And uh, yeah. she's like, oh, this game is the best. <laughs> it's a great game. It's a great game. And mm-hmm. I, we have a Cthulhu one that Monk and I play a lot, too. How about you, Chris? Favorite game when you were a kid? Oh, God, we played so many of them, I can't even tell you. Okay. Um, I, I'm definitely with Billy about Trivial Pursuit. Okay. You know, Jeopardy will be on the other room, and I'll be screaming out answers from you know the bathroom and the kitchen and Lee you know, Harvey upstairs. Oswald. He's not one of them. Um, <laughs> Chuckles the clown was a favorite one in our house. So my sister Jen, whenever she didn't know an answer, that was the answer. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lee Harvey Oswald. Gotcha. And every now and then she'd be right. <laughs> and every now and then. Well, no, it's like we the one version of Trivial Pursuit we have is we have the Star Wars Trivial Pursuit, and we actually have two copies of it. Yeah. And it gets to the point where if we're playing with Randy. That Randy to get a piece of the pie, he has to answer like three or four questions to our every one, mm-hmm. <laughs> because he would just wipe the board with us. Yeah, see, at my house, um, any of the trivia based or answer based question uh, type games, I'm not allowed to play anymore. <laughs> the kids, the kids have outright said, "Dad is not allowed to join in because he's just we it, he's too Another good at Another fountain of useless knowledge. I'm a fountain Ex- of useless. So as, you as need Zach to get would say, you. And Billy and Chris oh, uh, and Randy. All... Can we change the name of this podcast to Fountain, Fountains of Useless Knowledge? <laughs> yes. Well, as if Zach used to say, if it doesn't, if it doesn't make, make me money, money. <laughs> I know it. Yeah. That's and it. And then Zach can't yeah, get Zach exactly. in here. That's it. So, yeah. I miss Zach. We got to get him back in I the know, studio. I know. I was thinking yeah. about that yesterday that. Zach miss, and Rob. I keep, I keep getting messages from Rob after the podcast saying, okay, yeah, next time. He's been sick. He has. I'm both, so I think both about of them him. have really. Yeah. So Zach has been on a one man army to to do the whole uh, view a, a Marvel movie every week until He's Infinity in, um, War. Um, Captain America: Civil War. Is he? Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to get into. I'm going to get into cross stitching. I just. I want. I need to pick mm-hmm. up some sort of hobby. And um, I cross stitch. This is something that I want to make. <laughs> it what says I do many things well, none of which generates income. There you go. That's it. That's okay, awesome. Christopher. I need to make it for Zach. <laughs> my f- my favorite game when I was a kid was always Clue. I always knew that. I was always oh, excited to see I Clue come out. I always would lose. I-, I did too, but I still had fun trying. Like you running know, around the, the board. The occasional time I would I'd I was play. always Miss Scarlet. And I also, my, my dad taught me to play chess. 
And so we were playing chess, and he murdered me on a regular basis on that chessboard. But there, I remember the one I was like, oh, in 97, and I finally beat him. And I was like, I was, Woo, that I'm was done. my first victory. I was like 12, and I was doing my first victory lap around the house. So <laughs> I ran, I'm like running laps around the house going, yay, I got him, you know. And he's just like, I let him win. Oh, I, um, <laughs> I, used, I played backgammon with my mother. Oh, the, that um, was a big in regards to chess, there mm-hmm. was a set of cards that we got, probably, it was probably Crazy Igor's at the time. It's called Nightmare Chess. Mm-hmm. So um, you have a deck a card or a handful of cards that you play while you're playing chess that's mm-hmm. the only way i was able to beat randy ever at chess <laughs> is using these cards because like your king becomes a pawn and then one other uh <coughs> excuse me piece becomes the king uh-huh so like my new king was the knight okay so you're able it, to switch places it, and switch, stuff but now the knight the the new king being the knight moves as the knight okay and so now you have to chase down the knight and then you could use toothpicks to put up walls and stuff. That the only oh thing God, that could that sounds co- like a riot. And, and it's called Nightmare Chess. And there's like two or three. Do you three, still have that set? Yeah, we somewhere. We try that sometime. There's like two or three expansions for this because you use toothpicks to build walls to mm-hmm. put a castle wall up. And the only oh thing God. that can go over the wall is the knight. That's great because he jumps. Because he jumps. Because he jumps. So, I mean, it, it was like the best. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> Supposedly, men made it up. And it's about war and men and the savageness and the bravery and the genius of commanding and moving pieces and let it know. It's marriage. <laughs> the queen moves anywhere she wants. Picking off people. <laughs> and what happens to the king? He's moving one square. <laughs> That's, yeah, so you were inspired, and that was a great find. That was a great find. Um, as far as the last board game I played would be Talisman at your house, Tanya. That's it. That I, I don't play a lot of board games. I mean, D&D is not considered a board game, no, so no. I can't count it. No. no. All right, Cards Against Humanity is a card game, so I can't count it. So well, I got this go... card or board game. Card or board game? All right. Well, I, I haven't even if... played Cards Against Humanity in a while. Now, now if you're using the oh god miniatures for mm-hmm. D&D, then it becomes a board game. Oh, well, then I was playing a board game just a couple weeks ago. There you go. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, that too. So that, that's, that's why I qualify. I'll, there you go. I'll find so, a little asterisk. So when this is um, aired, you'll played several board games oh several yes because it'll be from the board game night when's this dropping 25th yep all right but we're so we're just in three days after this is released is going to be international tabletop day so make sure people that you're getting out get some friends together and play something it doesn't matter what doesn't matter if it's just you know if it's game of life shoots and ladders sorry clue whatever it is Pretty, or something more advanced. Pretty, Did pretty, you ever pretty, pl- pretty Princess. That's, that actually has become one of my favorite games. Okay. Pretty Pretty Princess? I played that with Lana a lot when we were little, and I wouldn't I let her win. I have to look up what Pretty Pretty Princess <laughs> is. Oh, you have to see. Did you ever play Mousetrap, and did you ever get it to work? I have played Mousetrap, yes. and no, I didn't get it to work. Okay. Yes, we got it to work. I had, we I had help, We though. currently have that in our house, and it doesn't work. Basically, Pretty Pretty Princess, you go around the board, and you collect jewelry. Oh boy. Oh, and you get to I collect see. a ring and earrings and a bracelet and a necklace and a tiara. Our daughter was born. <laughs> when was your daughter born? 98. 
98. Well, this so. this is vintage 1990 print, Pretty Pretty Princess, the go, golden first version. Yeah. <laughs> vintage 1990. <laughs> well, the bottom line is before any of all, any and all that, above any and all that, is that uh, International something. Tabletop Game is coming up on the 28th of April. <gasps> Here's the Cinderella Get out version. there. Have some fun. Get some friends together. And, uh, and enjoy yourselves. And there's lots of events. Like we said earlier in our interview with uh, Professor Nicholson. Um, Millennium. Millennium Games is going to be having an event. Enlightening Minds over on Dewey. Uh, Comics Zone, if you're in the Syracuse area on South Main and North Syracuse. Uh, in Utica, Wanna Play Cafe, Utica Public Library. You can look it up on Geek and Sundry. And you can find if something is in your area. Yep. Because I know there's a lot of people who are starting to listen to us. And they are not necessarily in western New York. And chances are probably Casual Dragon Games mm -hmm. in Buffalo will probably have something going on. And they are going to be running the game room mm -hmm. at FC3. So wherever you are, all the way around the world. There you go, Jason. Have some fun. <laughs> have some fun and, uh, and roll some dice and play some cards and hang out with your friends and you know have a soda drink a beer a glass of wine whatever and just be social and enjoy your day and to quote will wheaton's show yeah play more games play more games i thought the quote is show make it so make it so <laughs> we can well that's not his quote that's though. not his oh, quote yeah. that oh, was yeah, Riker. So. that's right so we're good so it's so a billy tanya chris sherry and i are all done for the day and we will see you again next week this has been monkey business a product of the it mighty monkey, monkey corporation business. yes it is Purveyors and producers of the Flower City Comic Con coming at you June 9th and 10th at 2018 at the Rochester Riverside Convention Center. Love us on Facebook, www.facebook.com backslash FC3ROC. Subscribe to Patreon, please. We would love to see you there. Have a great day. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll see y'all soon. Bye. 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 Bye.